He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney. He is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. What a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, March 2, 2024. What a show I have for you. Episode 199 is mighty fine. Danny Newsom, who I went around and about for decades, Colorado inside out, fellow panelists, we often disagree. Sometimes really pretty heated. As only a GW Patriot and a TJ Spartan can go at it. We are the same vintage. She is the daughter of, really, an American hero, Buck Newsom. I call him that. I'd call him Sir. He was a colonel. He was a Tuskegee Airman. You're going to hear all about him. Danny grew up in the 70s in Denver. She didn't go through the 60s here. You'll hear her story, but... She's wound up in the law as a civil rights attorney fighting for voting rights, which are civil rights, women's rights, which are civil rights. And for the last several years, she's been at Cobalt, where she works for reproductive freedom. They split off from NARAL, a friendly split. You're going to hear all about it, but she joins me in opposing Donald Trump for those reasons. He gave us the end of Roe v. Wade, something we never argued about during all those shows on Colorado Inside Out because we really could never conceive that it might happen. When I argued with Dan Kaplis, never in a million years did I think that three Dan Kaplis act-alikes would be appointed by Donald Trump and swing the balance such that Donald Trump may now escape accountability When I talked to Danny, we were right in the middle of getting that opinion from the Supreme Court, and I didn't hear about it until after we talked, and it would have brought the interview down. We did a lot of laughing, but because we thought the Supreme Court, for all its flaws, for all the ways they've screwed over the American public and women and try to control their bodies, I never thought in a million years they'd take this immunity decision, but they did. And it's just a gift to Donald Trump, their benefactor. And Thomas and Alito, they're corrupt, they're bought up. It's ridiculous that Jenny Thomas's husband gets to rule on these things. Jenny Thomas was an insurrectionist. Jack Smith should charge her if he's got the evidence and he can prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. Don't wait. Come on, Jack Smith, we're counting on you. Actually, we're counting on... New York prosecutor Alvin Bragg, and we're going to hear all about that because Karen Friedman Agnapillo scheduled for next Saturday. She was the assistant DA, the second in command in the Manhattan DA's office until recently. Now she's co-host of Legal AF on the Midas Touch Network, and she's tremendous, so smart. So there's still some hope for the rule of law on the state court level, my level, the one I've worked in my whole career as a lawyer over four decades. Same with Karen. She's not as old as me, 
but the federal system is failing us, and it doesn't look like USA v. Trump will get to trial before the election. So it's going to be up to the people, and I'm all on board to stop Donald Trump by any means necessary. And Nikki Haley, for all her flaws, and there are many, because she capitulated to Trump so many times, she caught my ear when she said some harsh words. I played them on the air for you last week. She called out Trump and Putin as bullies, music to my ears. And I think maybe she'll never endorse him after this. I was hoping for that. I went out to see her at Wings Over the Rockies. Wow, what a schlep. I got to the Lowry Wings Over the Rockies pretty early, only to be met by a guy from the campaign saying, wrong Wings Over the Rockies. What? I live here. Lived here for a long friggin' time. There are two of them. Yes, out at Centennial in Arapahoe County, where I was just at the courthouse on business. I went back. On my way, I listened to Bonnie Willis and the attorney who was a friend of Nathan Wade who said absolutely when he was texting with the defense attorney and asked, did the affair start earlier than what Bonnie and Nathan are saying? So they have problems. There are cell phone records, and it's horrible. And again, another gift to Donald Trump. So could Nikki Haley do anything? I went, I listened to her. I got there in time. She was there. I watched her on the rope line. I watched her on Next on Next with Kyle Clark on 9 News. Marshall Zellinger interviewed her, and there she is saying this stuff that just made it clear to me I cannot vote for her. She said Donald Trump concerns her greatly, but Joe Biden concerns her more. Come on, Nikki. Come on now. That's just bad judgment. Of course, Joe's old. I got to write about all this and my trip out to visit with people at that event in my regular column in the Colorado Sun. Last Saturday, I was at the rally in favor of Ukraine. Nikki Haley favors funding Ukraine. A lot of Republicans do, but they're scared to say anything because Donald Trump has said no. Donald Trump in bed with Putin. It's disgusting. I put out a tweet at Craig's Colorado with a beautiful woman against the Colorado Front Range City and County building backdrop with a nice sweater saying, fuck Putin. And it got over, way over 300,000 views. So I'm getting a little hot on Twitter as I express myself, maybe too much. I'm really disgusted with the U.S. Supreme Court, what they've done with the rule of law. It feels like a fixed game. That's the subject of our troubadour song, Dave Gunders. He wrote about Billy B and the fair-skinned girl, about his favorite coffee shop, not far from Danny Newsom's Thomas Jefferson High School, Hamden and Happy Canyon. And he fantasized about some scenario where the wrong person goes to jail and justice is not done. It's not being done right now in America, but maybe in the long run. And it's a long run, but we have a problem, America. It's called the U.S. Supreme Court. And as a lawyer, I'm not happy. I could not be more happy, though, about my interview with Danny Newsom. You know, I do occasionally burn bridges, but I mend them, too. And I'm glad that I mended any bridges that were burned with Danny Newsom. We always got hot at each other, just like Kaplis and I. I like to argue. 
but we came away friends, and that was true for Dan and me when we worked together. But now that I listen to him and for him to be the biggest booster of Trump and try to pretend he supports Ukraine at the same time. Anyway, Danny Newsom's not like that. Danny Newsom will tell you what she's thinking and she doesn't take inconsistent positions. And as I confess to her, maybe some of her positions were more correct than mine, given the passage of time. I like to use reflection. I like to use my great relationship with Dave Gunders, our troubadour, to get a beautiful song. And again, with that song, Billy B and the Fair Skinned Girl, he delivers. I think episode 199 is going to be special, and you will enjoy it. In the end, on Super Tuesday, I'm voting for Joe Biden. Yeah, he's old, and I wish he would do a few things different, but by and large, I give him a vote of confidence. And I don't have confidence that Nikki Haley will keep fighting MAGA after she drops out. I hope she will. If she does, I'll dedicate another show to her and play her beautiful words. But the only responsible thing to do for Mitt Romney, Nikki Haley, Liz Cheney, whoever, got to support Joe Biden. He's a decent man. Donald Trump is not. I hope you agree. You probably do if you're listening to me. Tell a friend. Danny Newsom is a Denver legend. Subscribe on Spotify or Apple. Those are great places. Five-star ratings help a lot. Word of mouth helps a lot. The best thing about my column, well, there are a lot of great things about writing for the Colorado Sun, but I got to mention my interview with Dick Wadhams at that Nikki Haley event in episode 166 on my pro-democracy podcast. I stole that from Ben Mycellus. Allison Gill, another prior guest, uses it too. We are pro-democracy. We are pro-rule of law. This has been a rough week, but there will be another week after this. Hey, this is episode 199. What comes after that? I'll tell you this. I focus on it one show at a time, and they don't come much better than Danny Newsom. Enjoy. It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. (laughs) Now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want, and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at mblaw.com. LLC.com. Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. Hey, being a lawyer is a matter of judgment. You have to know the law, the facts, but good judgment is essential. If you don't understand how Donald Trump is culpable, 
for the crimes committed in his name, then I question your judgment. I have the good judgment to question Donald Trump. If you want a lawyer like that, instead of a knucklehead who believes in the MAGA propaganda, call Craig, 303-734-7156, 303-734-7156. I am Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Welcome to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Gosh, it's nice to have this lady in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. It's such a collegial atmosphere, but I have to tell you with Danny Newsom, most of the time I encountered her, we were debating this, that, or the other on Colorado Inside Out on the equivalent of live television. And looking back, she was formidable. I'd call them not Donnie Brooks, but Danny Brooks. And she had them with other people besides me. Danny Newsom, <laughs> welcome to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. I love it, Craig. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I love this Danny Brooks. Yeah, we we did go round and round. There was another person who our rounds were just about as intense as they could ever get. And so you weren't that person, but we had our I know own. you're talking about David Copa. I am talking about the one and only David K. So, uh, uh, but having said that, it's good to, <laughs> at least we're not in the same room. So <laughs> that, that would be interesting. Uh, but did you it's have that? To- did you ever have that trepidation approaching an argument with me? Did you say, oh, geez, Craig is probably going to say this, that, or the other? Because- We'd actually go at it, but I I think in retrospect, I can't really remember for sure. I, I expect Ward Churchill was a big part of it, but uh, oh in, in retrospect, whatever it was, you were probably more correct than I was, or I thought I was. So that's my apology to you. <laughs> Age must mellow. Age must mellow, except I don't feel that. I don't feel that much mellower, and I've aged just like you have. But for you to give me credit for being right more often than not, oh, my gosh. I'm glad this is being recorded. Well, I'm just saying it because, (laughs) I mean, what do you remember us arguing about? Is it coming to you at all? Oh, my gosh. Craig, we'd have to set this up. This This was on Colorado Inside Out, of course. And it was over a period of years. I know, years. decades, and, decades. Yeah. I appeared on it for four, de- four different decades. You're probably the same. So, you know, not anymore, and I don't see you on anymore, and it's not as combative anymore. But it's I a think different, we, yeah. it's a different program now. Yes, it is. <laughs> It's a different program. More, yeah, more we, we should have worn helmets. Yeah. We should have worn helmets. <laughs> right. I talked to my wife about it because I've been married three decades. And you know how spouses are. I said, I'm going to interview Danny Newsom. What did we used to fight about? And you know what she said? What? One, of course, she likes you and respects you, but she said Danny was very liberal. But you know what? We need liberals to save us now from Trump. So maybe that's why I'm being nice to you. 
Yeah. Well, you're, I, I got to give your wife a name. What is your wife's name? Trish. 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 Um, hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I am um, pretty darn uh, progressive. And, and honestly, I could not tell you what we argued about. It's interesting you mentioned Ward Churchill, but that's almost like inside inside baseball for folks who don't know about war churchill and we don't need to bring that up now but we could we could have been given a list of topics like we were in colorado inside out every week and you know we'd be able to point at which topic we were gonna you know uh bat heads about right so it's it's hard to pick out just no but it goes deeper than that and i think we were allies against copalon guns and I admired you always for sticking up for sensible gun regulations as as we got some good laws passed in Colorado, thank God. And now you're involved with reproductive freedom. But let's go way back to find out why maybe we butted heads. And maybe in our high school lineage, tell everybody where you went to high school. Okay, Sure. I am a proud graduate of Thomas Jefferson in High School in Southeast Denver in the 70s, in the early 70s. <laughs> and who, 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 pray tell, did you consider arch rivals? Uh, that would be your alma mater, Craig, George Washington, the George Washington Patriots. Yeah. Bigger, stronger, faster patriots. And you guys resented us, and we resented you guys for being, what, from the affluent part of town? Excuse me, I think both TJ, frankly, TJ and GW drew students from different economic um, demographics. We anyway, were, uh, yeah. yeah, we no, did. We were, but, we were both Denver public school kids, and I didn't true. know you until much later. Tell everybody about your upbringing in Denver. How did you end up at TJ? Was it always Denver? And I know you no. have a famous daddy. Talk all about your heritage. Well, my Dad and mom were both born in New York. My dad, my dad was the first generation of his family to be born in the United States. So uh, my dad's family are from Barbados. And my mom was born and raised in New York. And what brought us to Denver in the first place is my dad was in the Air Force. And you mentioned my famous dad. Uh, my dad, Colonel Fitzroy Newsom passed away in 2013, but he um, was and is a Tuskegee Airman. Uh, So that group of African-American men who received their pilot training, their segregated pilot training at an air base in Tuskegee, Alabama. And uh, my dad became a pilot and uh, flew both during war and during peacetime, I say peacetime, although Vietnam was going on, he flew, I'll say he flew stateside. And that's, he's, he's a famous guy. He, when he retired, he retired as the uh, vice commander of the 381st Strategic Missile Wing in, at McConnell Air Force Base in Wichita, Kansas. Prior to being stationed in Kansas, though, he, my dad was stationed at Lowry when it was an Air Force base and not a housing and retail <laughs> development. And um, that's what first brought us to Denver in the early 60s. And then when he retired in 1970, he and my mom decided Denver was where they wanted to spend 
the rest of their lives and raise their kids. So we came back to Denver and they had a house built in Southeast Denver, which probably would not have been possible, uh, which wouldn't have been possible when my dad was first stationed in Denver. But man, a lot changed over 10 years in Colorado. What was the address, if I can be so bold? Well, I don't want to give the address because my mom still lives there. Okay. Is it near (laughs) like Southmore Elementary or TJ? It's, it's, It's east of Southmore Park and Southmore Elementary. So it's east of there. And what year did they buy the house? 1970. Well, they had the house built in 1970. Wow. Yeah. In, and so far, my family, since my mom is still living, my family has been the only family to occupy that house. God, I'm looking at a picture of your dad, and he's so cool. First of all, the name Fitzroy. I love it's that very, name, Fitzroy. It's very British. Yeah, it's that very, comes from Barbados, the English influence? Well, yes. Um, it, uh, England had, had colonized uh, Barbados. And uh, but yeah, Fitzroy, I mean, it is the essence of I mean, his name is actually his official. His legal name is Kinsley Fitzroy Newsom. That's pretty darn British, isn't it? Yes, but he had a great nickname. Why did they call him Buck? Well, I have to tell you, I have three siblings and all four of us hated that nickname because of its we're of a different time than my dad and because because of its racist its racist usage but my dad i believe developed that nickname and liked it until the day he passed may he rest in peace so why my dad had an affinity for that name is a secret that rests with him craig you know because my siblings and i would always roll our eyes when he would um, talk to someone and they would say back to him, Buck, it's great to see you. Or Buck, I've been meaning to call you or whatever. And it's just like, oh my God. See, I don't know the connotation of the word Buck. I've heard like son of a Buck. I've heard young Buck. I've yeah. heard the value of a Buck. And I've, I've never really thought about it in a variety of ways, but I just think your dad, for whatever reason, he got nicknamed that. He took it on and made it his own, right? He he loved that name. He loved that name. And again, my dad was born in New York. Both my parents were born in New York. My uh, mom was born in Brooklyn and my dad in Manhattan. But then my dad went to Barbados and he stayed there until his teen years. And then he came back to New York, to uh, Brooklyn. And it may have a, he may have had a different sensibility about it because he did not come up during that period of time. He did not come up in the United States, but he was in Barbados, but it is a, it's a term that has been used disparagingly in a disparaging way to describe Black men and indigenous men, American Indians, as bucks. So, yeah. And that's the time, that's the time I grew up in. And so that is, that's the meaning that I give to that word. But my dad grew up in a different place and it uh, might have had a different meaning. No kidding. I, I would just call him Colonel Sir. 
But I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah. the, the Wikipedia yes. page, you have to be happy about that because that picture of him, I'm looking at it now and it transfixes me. You can see I the power of your this. father. Have you ever seen this? I have seen it. I hate to do this. I hate to do this. You know, I I don't know if you knew this. I um, I also... I have a master's in U.S. history, and I taught at CU uh, Denver and Metro and Arapaho, uh, not Arapaho, and Community College of Aurora, taught history, U.S. history and African-American history. And uh, the admonition to my students was always, you can't quote Wikipedia. You can't quote Wikipedia, although every single one of us uses it. Right, oh, Craig? no, that's not your dad. That's not my dad oh. in that picture. That is not my dad in that picture. Oh, that's really, in fact, have I you was tried just, to get that changed. You know, I I two weeks ago, I think it was about two weeks ago, was the most recent time I looked at that, and I'm like, darn it, I need to, I need to get that changed. And time goes by, and I don't do that. Does it even look close to your dad at that young age? Well, if I could, I mean, you can you can Google my dad and I find. Just don't right. believe Wikipedia. No, I you won't. You can go to the Library of Congress. There are some fab. The loc.gov. Oh, I see a Library of Congress. picture of him with his hands in his pocket in front of his plane. Yep. yep. And the aviator glasses. That's even better. Yes. Yes. Get that but, picture in there. Yeah, but the, the Wikipedia that is not him. And this last time, I showed my, I showed my mom and my sister, my husband, and you know, I'm like, is it me? This is just not Dad. And they're like, no, this is not Colonel Fitzroy Newsom. So that just goes to show you can't quote Wikipedia. Although I use Wikipedia just like everybody else, but if you you can't, that's why it. I <laughs> defer to you. You are, <laughs> in the end, maybe a little smarter than me. Maybe TJ had better education. You've already bragged about your higher education. You have more degrees than me, but you became a lawyer too, right? Yes. I became a lawyer before I got my master's in U.S. history. Yeah. And I I became a lawyer, a civil rights lawyer, and it's because of the time I grew up in. And also... My mom and dad. I, I got to give myself some credit. I mean, I, I was. I think I was just born with an activist heart. My parents encouraged it. They definitely encouraged it. I wore. I remember one time um, during um, middle school, what we used to call junior high. I wore an armband to school to protest the Vietnam War, and it was the same day that there was a national protest going on. And I was uh, um, thrown out of my class and sent to the principal's office. And the uh, vice principal thought, okay, we've got her now. Because I did have a mouth. Anyway. This was in junior high? <laughs> yes. Well, which, this was junior high, junior McConnell high? Air Force Base. Well, but this was actually a public school. We were, um, the kids who lived on base were bused to a, a public school in Wichita. So, yeah, so you came after the desegregation. See, I'm a Denver boy. I don't know about all that. I want to hear more about Fitzroy. That when you were in Manhattan. Oh, no, I got to tell you what my dad did. So the vice principal called my dad. Yes. And thought that, you know, he would wring my neck. As I said, he was the 
vice commander of the 381st Strategic Missile Wing. But I had already told my mom and dad that I was going to wear that. I mean, they saw it, that I was going to wear a, you know, just black paper with a big white chalk peace sign on it. And, you know, I just taped it around my arm. And so my dad gave the vice principal what for. And I was admitted back to class. Yeah. So, yeah, my dad was my dad was a cool guy. That's when you decided to be a lawyer, probably. You know, we're giving a short trip to your mama, who's still alive. What a blessing that is. Talk about your mother. What's her name? My mom was born and raised in Brooklyn, and she fashioned herself. She went to NYU, but didn't graduate from there. She actually ended up completing her bachelor's degree at Wichita State University when my dad was stationed in Wichita. But she had been like an international relations major at NYU, and um, she fashioned herself a Norman Thomas a socialist. So I joke that the first year, the first words I can remember is my mom calling Richard Nixon a fascist. Those weren't the first words, but I do remember my mom calling Nixon a fascist. So, you know, it, I, I come by it. I come by my liberalism um, honestly. And your mom's name is Joan, her maiden name Carney. Is that right on Wikipedia? That's right. Yeah, what about that's what right. about you having three siblings? Is that right? I do have three siblings. It's the it's the picture is wrong. They also have his birth my father's birthday wrong. I think oh, no. they have him being born in April and he wasn't. He was born in May, May twenty second. Right. And it says April twenty second. But it's yeah. still cool. He's, a, he's yeah. a hero, and it just shows it's like artificial intelligence can lead you to some wrong things. But I just want one little Yeah, they tidbit. have the wrong guy in yeah. aviator glasses. <laughs> the did, wrong did, guy. did your dad <laughs> like Manhattan? Were you ever there with him? Was he, like, knowing all the things to do and see in the big city? Oh, wow. I mean— it's that's interesting because my mom was more of I mean my dad was about my dad came up in difficult circumstances and so my dad in, in was, the island uh, in Manhattan where in Harlem or what were the no he was born in Manhattan but uh, when he came back to the United States in his early teens he and his mother lived in Brooklyn in Bedford Stuyvesant mm. and my dad was always about academics mm-hmm. and and his and his goal to fly and that was something he 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 developed that goal to fly as a little boy in Barbados. But that could that goal to fly of so many people in Brooklyn in their adolescent years to have achieved so much. You know, that Brooklyn spirit. I don't know if it was infused in your father and part of it might be looking at Manhattan and saying, Wow I want to make it big because well, my dad, <laughs> my dad wanted to make it to a cockpit. That is, the, that is the truth. It's so he wanted to make it to a cockpit and that was his goal. In fact, he started applying to what was then the army air corps. He actually saved the letters, the rejection letters he received because he applied, he applied for, to be admitted into pilot training. Where, where, did was, your, where did your dad get that aspiration from? It was from him. I mean, his mother was fierce. 
Adriana Newsom was a fierce, uh, determined woman, but uh, not about planes. That was my dad. You know, there, there can come a time in your life where, whether you're young, middle-aged, or old, where you want to do something. My dad always told the story that um, uh, he was in Barbados, and when he was looking up in the sky and saw what saw his first airplane, and that he told his mom and probably anybody else who would listen that he wanted to fly. He wanted to fly one of those. And so my dad was singularly focused. I think my mom, who was literally born and raised in Brooklyn, became very, you know, very familiar with New York, with New York places. That was the question you were getting that you were getting to. And my dad was so was um, although my mom, who actually was a teacher, my mom was focused on education. My dad had like a a laser laser focus on his on his education on on that goal to to fly and so he didn't take the rejections that he received i mean he didn't stop trying even though he received it was three maybe four rejections from the army air corps he even joined the new york national guard with the purpose of showing that he was a man a black man in a military uniform and hoped that would gain him entry, but it didn't. And the story of the Tuskegee Airmen is essentially Eleanor Roosevelt chiding her husband, uh, President Roosevelt, about black pilots and ultimately the uh, Tuskegee Training Institute was opened. And ultimately, my dad was one of the African-American men who gained entry to that pilot program. Man, that's something else. And his dedication to service, all that. I mean, we we could talk about him forever, right? And I bet you'd love that. He got his education <laughs> at I the University talk, of I could talk about I could talk about both of them. I mean, I was talking about my dad's education. My mom wasn't able to finish at NYU. There was an illness in her family, and she needed to tend to that. And life goes on, and she and my dad got married, but she never forgot her BA or wanting to get that BA. And when we were stationed at McConnell Air Force Base in Wichita, Kansas, she went back to school, and with four kids under 10, she got her bachelor's, Bachelor of Science in Education. So from uh, Wichita State University. So see, that's, they were no, both, that's no shocker. That's a pun, right? Wichita yeah, State shocker. They are the shockers, right? <laughs> Let me ask you: ever, Did your dad ever talk about his attitude toward Lindbergh? I mean, he took off from Long Island, went to a Europe, was celebrated as a hero, but in fact, he was a bigot. I was going to say, yes. it wouldn't be my parents who had anything good to say about Lindbergh. I mean, but did, did your dad those... ever talk about that sort of thing? No, but Lindbergh was a so-called America first. I mean, he was a he was a Nazi sympathizer. Yes, he so, was. No, no, my dad didn't. You know, for all of my dad's service and 
I'm so glad he was alive when uh, the surviving Tuskegee Airmen received congressional gold medals from then President George W. Bush in 2007. I'm so glad he was alive to to receive that. But for all the plaudits that he's received, awards he's received, he's in the Colorado Aviation Hall of Fame. Um, my dad was someone who did not mindlessly wave the flag. He knew, my mother knew, and we grew to know how hard it was for he and other black men who wanted to be pilots, who wanted to be officers, much less pilots, to to uh, gain entry into the military services. And of course, we knew about the continuing discrimination in the United States. So for all of my dad's service, every come 4th of July, my parents never put out an American flag on their, on their front lawn. And it's not that they hated this country. They loved this country. This is their country. But it's the story of so many African-Americans. When you see the ugly underbelly, it, it tempers, it tempers you. I'll put it that way. It tempers you. Mm-hmm. No, no wonder you became a civil rights lawyer. And then you said Nixon was a fascist. And we didn't like Nixon in our house, but we didn't call him a fascist because we <laughs> reserved that for Adolf Hitler. But I've been pulling out the F word lately. And gosh, my dad's been gone, my mom too. And this is just exactly what my mother always wor- worried about. Probably my father, but my mother being the protector. Hey, yes. the Jew yes. hating is going to come back. And she grew up with the specter of World War II. And, yep. and uh, holy cow, it's here. And what would Fitzroy say right about now about Trump? Oh, my God. I I can't even imagine. My dad passed away in 2013. So he missed. If he was at the peak of his powers, what would he say and do? I, you know, my dad didn't cuss much. He really didn't. He really didn't. But I think he would have an epithet. I know he would have an epithet for uh, Donald Trump, for Donald Trump. And but would also be shocked, like so many of us, including myself, which is embarrassing, would be shocked during when 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 during Trump's presidency at what we took for granted were really just norms, the behavior that even Nixon did not even Nixon didn't try to do some of the things that Trump succeeded in doing and to realize that, wow. It really, it's a norm. It's not a law. It's not a regulation. These are norms that politicians, even some of the worst uh, to date until Trump, had not tried to cross, that Trump had no, I mean, he has no impulse control, so of course he's going to cross them. But it was shocking, and I think my dad, my dad would be shocked. And I do want to explain, when I said that I joked that I grew up, the first words I heard were my mom calling Nixon um, a fascist. She never called him a Nazi. She called him a fascist. So there's a difference. Right. Um, although, yeah, I mean, some Nazis were fascist, but not all fascists were Nazis, right? But a fascist is, is 
that's no compliment. And so I just wanted to clarify. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And we don't want to misquote your mother. Right. Yeah. We never called him a Nazi. Because you're a mother, too. And you can tell by you talking about no impulse control. That's kind of a word that a mother would use maybe about their (laughs) child. You've gone well, on to have a great it. family of your own. Do you want to brag on them for a minute? You are a well-rounded person. You've lived quite the life. What year did you graduate, TJ? <laughs> I'll just say I'll just say 70-something. I did graduate from DU, the University of Denver Law School, before it was a Sturm College of Law. What year in was 1983. Okay. And um, I married my husband, Ron Schoenberg, the year before graduation, 1982. So we have been married 41 years. I'm losing track now. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, 41. It's going on 42 years. And we have uh, two living children, Nicholas and McKenna. Tragically, we lost a, a newborn, a newborn uh, daughter, and... And that loss, oddly enough, since I do work for Cobalt, I did want to mention that. Right, uh, now we're, we're going to get onto yeah. all of that for yeah. sure. That's the main yeah. point. We're just leading up to that. Yeah, and so Nicholas and McKenna. And Nicholas works for, I'm not going to say the company he works for, but it is a electrical parts and uh, distributor. And our daughter, McKenna, is an attorney, an immigration attorney. So, yes, that is our family. Okay, now, doing my research, and you got to admit, when I'd come to Colorado Inside Out, I had notes. I was ready to go, probably like few people you've ever seen. And I did look up a picture of you and your baby son, Nicholas, and it's in Getty Images. Have you seen that one? I bet you could sell I, uh, that for holding, a million dollars. Yes, is that you're the holding, one I'm holding him. Yes. It's a, I think it's at a caucus. Yes. It's a, yeah. It's at a Democratic caucus. And Nicholas was born in um, September. So uh, that would have been, he would have been, um, I don't know, four or five months old in that picture. What a picture. I'm looking at your face and I'm thinking it's like your dad's picture. Is that Danny? And then I said, <laughs> yes, yes that is. But I had to study it for a while because I didn't know you when you were that young. Well, yes, th- Craig, thanks for saying I've changed so much. And I have. Since- for the better. You've aged <laughs> since- magnificently. My son is 40 years old, so that was a while ago. But I know the exact picture. Yes. I, I know that it's picture. It's a classic. Instant classic. So let's talk about what this all has motivated you to do. I do a podcast trying to make amends for any overly conservative positions I ever took. (laughs) I write for the Colorado Sun. I'm happy that you write for Colorado Newsline. I love that media outlet. Quinn Young has been a guest. And I just love it that you can still express yourself, but you've channeled yourself primarily into a very important cause, threatened in every way by MAGA, and that's women's rights, reproductive freedom. Cobalt uh, broke off from NARAL, as I understand it, but give us more than a Wikipedia background on all of this and why you do what you do. 
Well, I will I will mention the year I graduated from high school because that was the year the Supreme Court issued its Roe v. Wade decision. Oh, so you're that older was the than year. me. I graduated yeah. in seventy four. Roe v. Wade yeah. was seventy three. Yes, that's See, when I graduated from Thomas Jefferson High School. And that's good. You're well, older than me. I, I, I look up to you a little more now. Go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, you just take that year and we can run with it, okay? I don't know that it matters it much anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> it used to, right? We're all young now, compared to Joe Biden. Keep going. <laughs> you yeah, not the truth. Anyway, moving on. First of all, I've always been an activist. I told you the junior high story about me getting thrown out of a class for wearing an anti-war armband. So I've always been an activist, and it's no surprise. And my parents encouraged it. And it was no surprise that I would end up in law school and end up being a civil rights lawyer. That I don't think that surprised anyone who knew me very well. After, But I quit practicing law after about five years, and I've spent most of the rest of my professional life in, in nonprofit or governmental advocacy. So there you go. Um, I was at the ACLU of Colorado, both on the board and then later as a staff member. I was at the Chinook Fund, which still um, exists now, but with a funder of progressive cutting-edge initiatives. Oh, yeah. That's one of the things we used to argue about. We used to argue about the Chinook Fund. Anyway. Yeah, and I worked worked for the city of Boulder. I was the um, director of the city's human relations, which is really human rights, and mediation program. And so I have been an activist all my life. And I've known Karen Middleton, who is the president of Cobalt. I have, we have no idea where we met, but we've known each other for years. And we had talked for years, and Karen and I had talked over the years about me doing some work for then NARAL Pro-Choice Colorado maybe some communications work, some writing, and that really really didn't come into fruition until late 2019. And I called Karen up to say, hey, look, I'm, I'm looking for something that can um, really draw on my strengths. And I was just networking with her, and she says, Danny, this is the time. And so I've been with Cobalt um, since 2020. And Sadly, this is the perfect time to be with Cobalt. And I say that um, from the bottom of my heart. I'm so proud to be at Cobalt, but I wish we didn't have to be what we have to be now. The Supreme Court's uh, decimation, not only of Roe, but of of precedent. Oh my God, we could talk about that as two lawyers. How do you teach con law anymore? How do you teach constitutional law anymore with what the Supreme Court has done to stare decisis um, and the Commerce Clause? But here I am, and I am the Director of Strategic Partnerships for Cobalt. And so, so, working to so develop- what does Cobalt do in this fight to keep a reproductive freedom for women? Well, our mission is basic, to protect and expand reproductive rights and reproductive access in Colorado. We, we um, split off from the national, from NARAL, National Abortion Rights Action League, in 2020 with the mission to focus like a laser 
on what is going on in what is going on in Colorado and actually in the probably the uh, mountain states region outside of Colorado since states had um, for the longest time been passing abortion um, restrictions. Was that a friendly breakup or what was behind it? No, it was a friend. No, it was a friendly, it was a friendly breakup. It was a prescient breakup. We did, uh, Cobalt did that officially in uh, January, 2020 before, before COVID shut everything down. But right now it's my understanding that NARAL actually has no more affiliates in the States. So um, don't, I'm, I'm not the expert on yeah, no good yeah, thinking on I, your part. And you guys have some big things going on right now with that ballot initiative, right? We have a ballot initiative. It's right now called Proposed Initiative 89. We are collecting signatures. Uh, we need uh, legally 125000 and we want to get 185000 as a cushion. And what this measure will do, once Coloradans vote to approve it, it will enshrine uh, abortion rights, the right to an abortion in the Colorado Constitution. And it will make sure that that right is available to anyone regardless of their health insurance status. Because right now in Colorado, those Coloradans who are lucky enough to have private health insurance, by private law, that health insurance carrier must cover abortion care without a um, deductible and without a copay. And um, I don't know if a lot of people know that, but that was as of a law that was passed by the state legislature last year, the the, um, safe access to protected health care. But if you have state or local government insurance, So you could be a a government employee, you could be a firefighter, librarian, teacher, work at a university, at an elementary school. Your insurance isn't going to cover that, along with people who have other forms of state health insurance. So there's a disparity between those with private health insurance and those with uh, state health insurance. So... We want to enshrine abortion rights in the Colorado Constitution, giving it a just an added layer of protection against shifting political winds. Right now, we have uh, majorities in the state house and the state senate, and certainly in the governor's office, pro-abortion rights uh, majorities. But change is only an election away, and we wanted to ensure that. The right to an abortion is not just a statutory right, but that it will also be, it will be a state constitutional right. Good for you. Change is not just something that may happen. MAGA has made clear now a national abortion ban is part of their agenda. That's That's right. Ridiculous. And uh, we've got to preserve women's reproductive freedom, and God bless you for fighting for that in your life. And now that we know how old you are, do you think you've experienced <laughs> more discrimination as a black person or as a woman? Ooh, that's a good question, Craig. They are entwined, and I I really can't separate them because there's certainly discrimination based on on sex, on gender, right? But uh, when you're a woman of color, and in my case, a black woman, it exists on a whole nother level 
than for the average white woman. So, yeah, I I really cannot uh, separate them. I can't. No, I understand. You know, I... They intersect. (laughs) I, I went out to see Nikki Haley. Wow, I found out where Wings Over the Rockies is. Where do you think it is? Oh, I know where it is. Where? Uh, my dad took us there. It's on La- It's on the old Lowry. Yes. Air Force well, I grew up near Lowry, near GW. I'm old enough to watch the planes fly in there. I should oh, have yeah. been a pilot. Wow, that's right. So that's why I went for the Nikki Haley thing and found out by a poor staffer who was handing out mimeograph sheets of paper. Oh, uh-huh. we meant the wings over the Rockies at Centennial Airport that I never heard about. And I haven't heard of Wings <laughs> Over the Rockies at Centennial. There's a nice little thing there, and I had enough time, and I had actually gotten to Lowry early, and then I was entertained in kind of a mean... It, it sickened me to hear Bonnie Willis and her lover Nate and all that crap on the radio. Anyway, that's another topic. But I got I'll there say- in time to see Nikki Haley, who to me should be... The favorite of the people I used to do talk radio with, okay? She was in favor of the Iraq war. She was, uh, she she hates abortion. She is fiscally, you know, she's the perfect Republican. But instead, they take Donald Trump, and to me, it has to be white Christian nationalism. She's not white enough. She wasn't born a Christian, and She's a woman, and that just doesn't go in their world, right? Well, yeah. Well, first of all, you know, I can't even presume to know. I think there, I would assume that there are some sane Republicans who actually may be for Nikki Haley, but it is quite clear that the Republican Party isn't the Republican Party that you're talking about, Craig. It's the, it's the Trumpian Party. Oh, I know. You know, it's they've gone. got no guidance. Got, they've got, got no guidance. It has to be in the dustbin of history. It's beyond redemption yeah. at this point. It is. They but, have no guiding principle other than the raw pursuit of power and the raw pursuit of power for Donald Trump. That's it. It's like, I, I, it's madness. It's absolute it madness. I, I agree. So, so well, but do, do you agree that fan, it comes? <laughs> say that again. I'm no Nikki Haley fan. She was Trump's UN ambassador. I'm not a fan, but at least she said she called him out as a bully and she called out Putin too. And I liked that. And she said, I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. be intimidated. Of course, I liked it when Marco Rubio stood up to Trump and Ted Cruz did, and both of them folded like a cheap suit. I wonder if she's going to do the same damn thing. Well, you know, that's interesting that you talk about Rubio and Cruz. And in Cruz's case, it's even worse since Trump disparaged his own wife. Right. Disparaged Mitch McConnell just quit. And uh, Trump ripped the crap on a racist way, Elaine Chow, Mitch McConnell's about, uh, wife. Yeah, McConnell's wife. So yeah. McConnell and Romney and any remaining decent Republican should join with Liz Cheney, Adam Kinziger, and say, you know what? We're going to be with old Joe this time because we see a unique threat to our country, and his name is Donald Trump. Wouldn't that be nice to see some Republicans do that? 
No, if they really want to fight uh, Donald Trump, uh, they'll vote for Joe Biden. Right. And publicly support him. Nikki Haley should do that. And I got sick hearing her tell Marshall's. She told Marshall Zellinger that Donald Trump concerns her, but Joe Biden concerns her more. That's after earlier in the day saying electing Trump would be suicidal. So I'm left to wonder, what's worse than suicide? I mean, what is she talking about? You know, I got to tell you, I'm not sure the money that's keeping her going. I don't know if it's Koch brothers or or um, they withdrew or it. What they withdrew it now. They're oh, not they funding withdraw? her anymore, right? They just decided. Well, then they're officially on. Then she's officially on um, on life support. Yes. But see, that's that's the kind of lack of spine that is so evident in the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. To say that Trump scares her, but Biden does. Hey, Biden may be old, but he's sane. And and let me get on my soapbox here because I'm not necessarily a Biden fan, but I don't have to be a fan to know that it makes sense to vote for someone who, first of all, is sane, who, second of all, understands the United States, uh, the United States and our democratic republic and respects the three branches of government of government and is not about amassing his own financial power and his own political power. Okay, because you can't say that. You can say that about Biden. You can't say that about Trump. Trump is out for himself and for, I guess, for his family, but ultimately for himself. He's out to aggrandize power and money to benefit him. The very people who are his loyalist supporters, he thinks are dupes. He thinks they're idiots and they don't even know it. They don't even know it because he's right. He can shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and they'll still salivate over him. Although he's done absolutely nothing for them except give voice to their own grievances. Now you've left out part of your own background, but I remember Danny Newsom, not just from Colorado Inside Out, but talk radio, right? Oh, yes, yes. For a few years there, yeah, I was at, oh, God. I forget who the owner of the company is, but anyway, I was at KHOW and KOA. I know you Indeed were. Indeed, I was. Do you remember what years those were? It was yeah. Long, it was long before me. I was being a prosecutor in Denver back then. Yeah, it was uh, 95 and 96 because... Oh, my God, I hate to bring this up, but Jean-Benet Ramsey was murdered, I believe, in December of 96. Christmas 1996. And then yep. Peter Boyle and started talking about it every morning, and he, he would have me on to talk yep. about it because I just left the DA's office after losing to Bill Ritter. So go ahead. Yeah, and um, shortly after that, in 1997, I said goodbye. I'm sure they were going to boot me boot me anyway, but I just didn't want to talk about a, uh, I mean, I'm a mom. I didn't want to talk about a six-year-old girl who had been brutally murdered. Oh my God. It was, uh, I didn't want to talk about it. I don't blame you. It was gruesome at its core and I wasn't a parent back then. It kind of changed my perspective. Anyway, I didn't want to drag you down, but I did in our prep session, such as it was, I asked you if you had heard about that talk radio jerk, Charlie Kirk, who's featured every day on Denver Trump Radio, 
710 KNUS, where that guy, an acolyte of Trump, is a propagandist of the First Order and a bigot. And I just wondered what you would think about a guy who would assert that he wouldn't feel safe on an aircraft piloted by a black guy, you, Danny Newsom, the daughter of Fitzroy <laughs> Newsom. Uh, what did you? I'm sorry. And you said you hadn't heard about it. And then I thought, I oh hadn't. my God, it's got to elevate your heart rate because this guy's not insubstantial. He's been a major part of the MAGA movement. No, and it's not that I hadn't heard of Charlie Kirk. I said I hadn't heard of his his comments that, you know, uh, questioning just on the face of it, literally uh, questioning the bona fides of any black pilot, commercial pilot, or I guess um, military pilot. And I laughed because these these people have the IQs of 10, notwithstanding, notwithstanding their influence, their influence. And Charlie Kirk didn't have the influence he did until Trump. Trump Trump did not create racism, but Trump's own blatant racism and anti-Semitism and Islamophobia um, has just essentially allowed people to come out from from under their rocks, slither out Mm. from under their rocks and express in public what, you know, they might have done in the darkest corners of the Internet before. Right. And so now now it's just it's just right there in Republican circles. Did you know there were so many of them? I'm a little surprised. I've lost some friendships. I don't want to have anything to do with somebody who's going to be a vocal supporter of Donald Trump. Is that wrong of me or what? Well, I don't have any friends who are supporters, vocal or not, of Donald Trump. I mean, I don't. I mean, no people, that's different than actually having friends, because this is not, uh, let's say, George Bush, the first George Bush, you know, you know, somebody supporting him. It's not Mitt Romney. He was okay, right? Well, not okay, but not But he voted to, yeah, he voted to (laughs) throw Trump out. I give him credit for that. He should have spoke up more, and yeah, in the end... Yeah, and now and Mitt, that, yeah. Mitt Romney probably couldn't win a, win a Senate primary right. in Utah now. But anyway, going back to Charlie Kirk, you know, he's and I, I did read what he had said and uh, some um, black pilots responded. But Ethan, Ethan, get off the damn plane. Nobody needs your stink. Nobody needs your stink. That pilot will fly the plane quite well without you and land that plane right well without you and he'll go about his business or her business you know nobody needs the stink yeah you and i brag about our tj and gw educations but we didn't stop there right we got some advanced education charlie kirk sean hannity the late rush limbaugh they wore their lack of a college degree as some kind of badge of honor but really A lot of these people are ignoramuses, but others are just grifters trying to make money off of it. And some you're right. And and some are stupid and 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 they combine all of it. And and I would say down in Texas, and I know you've written about it, oh my god, Greg Abbott, Ken Paxton, talk about those magmen. 
what what is there to say about these men who are out well in in Paxton's case you know he just escaped being found guilty um on 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 of graft charges essentially uh, his impeachment um, but he has a trial coming up on his criminal charges oh wait that's right so yeah the, the senate didn't the state the texas senate didn't um did not convict, convict him right it was uh yeah one of the it's, it was like an impeachment trial it was all political but you know, you know what? What what has happened to Texas? I can remember when Ann Richards, they had a governor like Ann Richards, for God's sake. When Lloyd Benson could be a, a senator from Texas. I can tell you what happened. I got a little Danny Newsom activism in me, and I went to Austin for a voting rights march because they suppressed the really? hell out of voting rights down there. Yeah, Beto O'Rourke said it was going to be like Selma, and I said— Dang, I was too young for That's so right. much as like you were probably <laughs> yes. too young. And I, I thought, was. I'm going to go. And it was pretty darn cool. It didn't turn out to be Selma. We wanted that John Lewis Voting Rights Act. I mean, uh, yes. come on. Voting rights are civil rights. That's what they do in Texas. Well, and you know, and it's it's two things. First and foremost, you are right about vote, uh, uh, voter suppression. And then at the state level for statewide uh, for, for um, state Senate and uh, state House um, um, positions, right. they have been they have been gerrymandered. The life has been gerrymandered. Austin, you are in Austin. Austin, parts of Austin has had has um, Republican representation in the House, in the in the Texas House. How is that possible? The home of the University of Texas. How is that possible? Because they gerrymandered the hell out of that. But, and, you know, and I don't, I don't know. That's right, going to take right, generations. Well, let's come back here. to Colorado then. How the hell is part of suburban Denver going to be represented by Lauren Boebert? Now her son just got arrested for breaking <laughs> into cars and all of that. But... Can you believe how far the Colorado Republican Party has fallen and how a form of gerrymandering or too much fairness on the part of Democrats has yielded legislators like Boebert and maybe, God forbid, Dave Williams? What's going on? Well, you know what? <laughs> you said it first. You said it first. But Democrats, we're sometimes our own worst enemies. A focus on fairness, on openness in the uh, redistricting process. And there you go. So, well, it's actually voters, too. We have a redistricting, supposedly a it is partly partisan because there's Democrats and Republicans on the redistricting commission. But this is what we get. And you were talking about ignorance. There is no more shining example than Lauren Boebert, who wears her ignorance like a crown like an absolute crown, but I don't know that she's going to be successful in CD4. I don't know that she really passed her GED. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, I, a, I, as a mother, do you have any Rachmanis? Maybe you learned Yiddish being so close to the alliance at TJ, but do you have any compassion for Lauren Bobert given the difficulties of her husband, her ex-husband, now her None. oldest son? None. Uh-uh. Because no. she is such an evil person? No. Lauren Boebert is not someone who is trying. I don't know what she did um, previously. Uh, well, she had her restaurant or whatever. But this, she has used Congress as her stair step 
to financial stability, which she never enjoyed beforehand. And um, I, I think to celebrity. And I think she wants celebrity. She wants celebrity after Congress. But I don't know. That may be cut short because I don't think she may even get the nomination in CD4. And so she doesn't want to be in Congress to to be a Republican, to to pursue policies that would benefit her constituents. What Lauren Boebert is out is to benefit herself. She doesn't have an understanding of our governance system, and she doesn't care. She and Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're cut out of the same cloth. Like I said, they wear their ignorance like a, cl- a, a, a crown. And why would I waste a moment of sympathy or, or a sympathy on either? They are grossly unsympathetic figures. They're not, they're not people who are trying to succeed against all odds. They're not. They're people who are trying to gain the system, whatever system they can, the political system, a financial system for their own gain. And, you know, I'll save my tears for somebody who deserves it. Right. And her main job should be as a mother who has an out-of-control son who she apparently has left him in a situation where he's breaking into cars. You know, he also fathered a child, and she's so proud that he brought that child in, into the world. What a yep, difficult she used, path. Right. She used that baby as a prop. She and used the, that yeah, baby as a prop. carries him into debates for the fourth CD, the little baby. Right. And the fact of the matter, the matter is, I'll tell you, her son is not ready to be a father. Of course not. Donating sperm does not make you a father. That's not how you become, that's one way to become a father, but that is, that's, that's, that's not what a father is. A father is an adult, someone who can love a child wisely, real, realize his own mistakes and try to make up for them and wants what is best for the child. Right. Her and son is not capable of that, no, no doubt, because of how he was raised. And a zygote is not a human. And for many years, I had to be the top defender of abortion rights in Colorado. And I did a good job. It didn't fall apart until Kaplis and Silverman did. But Dan Kaplis, arguing for all this dystopian world we're living in now, I never imagined they would seize control of the Supreme Court. Thank you, Mitch McConnell. Good riddance to you. He wrecked the rule of law. And... (laughs) And the bottom line is, I would argue, look, I'm no expert on these things, but I think it's great that we have in vitro fertilization. And I understand you have to fertilize a lot of eggs to get the right one to produce a baby for couples who want to have a family, and they have to freeze them in a facility. And God forbid there's a fire that breaks out there. If I see that fire... And I could go in and get a cardboard box full of 12 Petri dishes or save an elderly security guard overcome by a smoke. I'm going to save the security guard. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What what the this Supreme Court, this this Supreme Court majorities overturning of Roe v. Wade in a speak about dystopian and incredibly dystopian and ahistorical uh, Supreme Court decision, the Dobbs decision, they have unleashed the hounds. And so now you have the Alabama Supreme Court, essentially in a wrongful death case, saying that, yes, um, you can sue the uh, fertility clinic for the destruction of those 
of those fertilized eggs because those eggs, those fertilized eggs are children. In science, in medical science, you don't even have a pregnancy. Not You don't have a pregnancy until that fertilized egg is implanted where it is supposed to be, inside a uterus. And so what we have are these ahistorical anti-science decisions that equate a fertile an egg that was fertilized in a petri dish to a child now on what kind of godforsaken planet does that make sense you're a dad i'm a mom i know what a child is it's not an egg that's fertilized in a petri dish all right but this is what we have this is what we have in the meantime and i'm going to make this i'm going to make this analogy in the meantime this is the same party the justices from the same party who think it is everybody's god-given right to carry around an ak-47 could not agree with you more and i and yes. blow away living breathing children in classrooms yes yeah and yes, I had Sandy Phillips on my last week's podcast, and she was phenomenal talking about the loss of her daughter. Um, oh, my know, God. Yeah. Jesse oh. Gowie and yeah. uh, at the Aurora Theater Massacre. So I cover that yes. with frequency, yes. but I don't cover abortion and uh, a woman's right to choose quite as much. And I was very impressed how you connected these so-called pro-life groups, now they're destroying life because they're destroying IVF. Anyway, these so-called pro-life groups and January 6th and Trump's coup, an attempt to destroy democracy. You wrote a cool column about that. Connect those dots. Well, first I have to say, and I just got chills, Craig, when you just brought up January 6th first, what I, rem I we all remember so much about January 6th. My mouth was open. I mean, I just couldn't close it watching what was going on in front of me. But when I saw swastikas, Confederate flags, a t shirt that said Camp Auschwitz, this is what has happened to the Republican Party. This is what Trump has ushered, ushered in. That is what stands out of all the images from that horrendous day. People in broad daylight walking in to the U.S. Capitol with swastikas. Confederate flag. And Camp Auschwitz t-shirts. A, a lot of those uh, images were religious crosses. Interesting well, right-wing um, Christian ideology. I don't know. Well, I, I assume I, you were raised in the Christian faith. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I'm a Jewish guy. I'm trying to understand the connection. Do you? Understand the connect? I was raised in the Episcopal Church. And so what you're trying to understand the connection between— Right, how people can— believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior and somehow turned that into a battle cry for MAGA? Well, unfortunately, um, we could go back to the Crusades. People have used the name of Jesus for militaristic and uh, political purposes for centuries. But about this current, this current one, there is a intersection of so much in Christian nationalism. It is the racism 
It is anti, um, well, it's anti-First Amendment. It's anti-religious freedom because they're anti-Semitic and um, Islamophobes. And frankly, they're anti-Christian. It is their narrow, narrow view of Christianity, which really has no support, uh, no support in in the Bible. That narrow view of it as a it is it is a it is a dagger. It is not a belief. It is a dagger that they want to put into the backs of anyone who disagrees with them. Having an idea about a United States that never, ever existed. These people talk about taking America back. That America that they think about never, ever existed. Right. The the world of retribution, promised retribution, do you worry about that? What could happen oh my to gosh. Our, Yes, go ahead. Oh, my gosh. But you know what? Trump's retribution, and let's be clear. Let's be clear. The retribution, I mean, Trump says, I am your retribution. No, no, no. It is Trump's retribution. The man is a genius at convincing, at convincing the, the, the idiots who believe him that he is, he is being, he is being prosecuted for them. And that if he gets into the White House, he will seek revenge for them. No, he's being prosecuted for his own criminality. And when he, if, he, if he gets into office, he will seek his own personal retribution. And what will, Danny, not about what, what, what will Danny Newsom do then? What I mean, will Danny yeah, Newsom do? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I hate to think about uh, Trump too. being elected. But it sure gives you perspective on the refugee crisis, how people can think, man, my country's gone to shit. Anyway, uh, let's talk about something more optimistic. We're going to win. Democrats are going to win. And there are some superstars on the horizon. What about Colorado's big three? Polis, Weiser, Griswold, do you like them? Are Are they going further places? Well, um, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty darn sure Phil Weiser and Jenna Griswold are. I think Polis has aspirations, I mean, he is governor, so he obviously has aspirations before that. Beyond that is what I meant. You know, George Wool wrote a column about uh, Polis maybe two years ago, which um, made my eyebrows, you know, it raised my eyebrows. Mm -hmm. It's like, why is George Wool um, writing about Polis? But we'll see. We'll see if, you know, Polis makes it onto the presidential stage, even as a competitor, you know, but Phil Weiser and Jenna Griswold, they definitely have futures ahead of them. No doubt. No doubt. I think, though, Craig, I know you just changed the subject, but I don't think I answered the question that you asked. For sure. Uh, I mean, I uh, you you mentioned January 6th and I just had to talk about I wanted to vomit seeing swastikas and um yeah i was kind of moving it off because i could hear you getting emotional but you did you wrote a column about it and i've written my fair share it sickens me too go back to it i can't talk about it enough i can't get it out of my mind i can't believe america would even think about re-electing the guy who should have been arrested that afternoon if i was the prosecutor and had that Are kind you of kidding power. me? Are you kidding me? And if that had been black people, 
If that had been black oh people God. storming the state capitol, there'd been blood all over the steps. We wouldn't have seen the images that we saw of thugs in the state in the state capitol defiling statues mm-hmm. de- de- defiling offices mm-hmm. we wouldn't have seen that because they wouldn't have gained entry they wouldn't have gained entry so yeah it um but having said that i honestly don't believe that trump is uh trump is going to win uh i don't have you factored in his cheating ai Every possible way a human being can cheat. That's true. AI is that is uh, that's true. AI is 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 something new. But having even having said that, I don't believe he's going to, and he'll have to use AI because in the states that in, in many of the states that matter so much, the state offices are held by Democrats now. Not all of them, but um, in um, in Michigan in uh, Pennsylvania, um, in Arizona. And that doesn't mean that uh, Trump can't win those states, but it does mean that he can't use state office holders to manipulate, to cheat, to manipulate, to cheat, to try to steal an election. I mean, everything that man says is projection. Stop the steal. That's just what Trump tried to do. Projection and confession. That's absolutely. Oh boy, that brings me back to my old KHL partner, Dan Kaplis, who had his show during the election and then he Mm -hmm. put on Jenna Ellis November, mid November, right after the election, to spew that stop the steal bullshit. While on KNUS, they were putting on uh, Joe Altman to say the Dominion had fixed the election and then everybody was off to the races. And there's been no contrition. Jen Ellis got disciplined. And her talk on Dan Kaplan specifically mentioned. But my God, the uh, willingness well, of... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Jen Ellis, you know, being being sanctioned by the State Regulatory Council, that's not, that's, that's not, that's not a consequence. They slapped her wrist. But I do believe that uh, someone or uh, or a group of people are pursuing um, a disbarment. Of right. More, what, more uh, is coming. And so that's yeah. why the slap isn't bad, because it may be the predicate act that leads to her disbarment. I don't know about you because you're inactive, but I'm an active Colorado lawyer. And whether you're active or inactive, we don't want her to be part of the Colorado lawyer community because she's not trustworthy. She helped screw up America. I knew her personally. Like you, I did a lot of broadcasting with her, going back and forth, except I was the liberal talking to her. But but back in the day, she disparaged Trump, so I liked that okay. Anyway. But you know what? She lied. She lied with impunity. Yes, she did. And she's not the only lawyer. And I, I mean, when I say I'm inactive, just for folks who are listening, I mean, that is an official uh, status, so you will. With All the, you have to do is pay a fee and you can get restored, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, yeah. And by being inactive, I you didn't don't have, have to, to do all those legal I classes. CLEs, I yes. Do, I did right. not have to get continuing legal education. Yes. But the fact of the matter is, Jenna Ellis and so many other lawyers 
who, um, including Eastman, John Eastman, yes. who are who are facing disbarment, deserve to be disbarred, not because they represented Trump, but because they represented him with lies, with blatant lies that they knew to be lies. They knew at the time to be lies. And lawyers can't do that, not without a consequence. You know, a lot of I know, I mean, the, but, uh, but it's disgusting to see the lawyers line up to do it still today. And I think there's is. a special responsibility on the part of lawyers. And I talk about it all the time. And it's cool that you still think like a lawyer because, of course, you are. But you are so much more than that. I think this is the definitive Danny Newsom interview, don't you? I don't know. I don't well, know. Where is, know. There, where is the better? <laughs> Is there a better well, long-form podcast where we learn most, about your life? Right. This has been the most wide-ranging, bar yeah. none, hands down. And it was fun to have. We didn't have a Danny Brook at all. I don't know that there's <laughs> anything for us to fight about. Maybe. We didn't bring up I'm Israel. sure. Yeah, I don't even want to argue about Israel and Gaza because I'm so fucking disillusioned with them having Bibi Netanyahu, who's a crook like Trump. Not as bad as Trump, but a crook. He's, anyway, He's a crook. it's yeah, it says you're either honest or you're not. I want somebody like Fitzroy Newsom in charge of my unit, right? That's what we need. <laughs> my dad was a good man, too. I got to portray him on Colorado Inside Out. We won an Emmy. I know oh, you won an Emmy for your time travel uh, yes. shows too yes i've i've won three regional emmys yes so i only won one where i got to play my dad so that was but fun. that is something that yes. is something to play your dad but yeah you know what i'd probably play my mom <laughs> yeah see my dad used to say you know as a lawyer you'll appreciate this you know some people are on the take but other people are honest, and you can make an honest living. You don't need to be on the take, right? That's the beauty of America. Everybody can get ahead. It's not a zero-sum game. If people with a different color are getting ahead, that's good. What's wrong with people? Is it just racism? Is it greediness? What's wrong with hum human beings, Danny? There is a rottenness, and this is not a new rottenness. There has been this rotten, rottenness at the core of America ever, ever, ever since the beginning. It has been. I mean, look, we didn't just get here. You didn't get to southeast Denver, and I'm sitting here in my home in south, southern Arapahoe County. There were people here before us, right? And I don't mean the, the person who owned my home before. I'm talking about indigenous people who lived here before us. There were um, Mexicans, literally Mexicans from Mexico, this wasn't part of Mexico, who lived here before us. And of course, Africans were um, kidnapped from the African continent and forced to labor in the colonies and then the United States. And so there has been a rottenness in the United States since the beginning of this experiment. But 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 there has also been this striving to correct the disasters and the horrors of yesterday to 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 make a better union to be um kind of cheesy about it to make a better union and what we have now 
is a all-out effort to lie about history, lie about the present, to justify that rottenness, to justify it, to wear it like a badge. It's that Christian nationalism badge. That's and and they now have they how have a couple of media empires at their disposal. Mm-hmm. And a former president, a, once a president, and now, thank goodness, a former president, and I refuse to say possibly a future. And so that now it's very different than before. It's very different than before. And today's politics are making very strange but welcome bedfellows. Yeah, like so you welcome to my bed. All right, you're going to have to talk to your husband about that. I'll tell <laughs> Trish. But she already said, she, she didn't just say that liberal people are going to have to save us, but really women need to save us, right? Suburban women who are rightfully turned off to Donald Trump. I can't explain well, white men. I never considered myself white. I'm a Jewish guy, and I don't even check that box. But I know I, I get, get a lot. What you're saying. I, I know I, I get, get a lot. What you're saying. Yeah, I get a lot of white privilege, though. I'll acknowledge that because uh, of my skin color. So a lot of things are apparent to me now that weren't apparent before. But I think we kind of live charmed lives because Denver, Colorado was a pretty great place to grow up and grow our families. But now, as we approach our golden years, it's probably the most challenging time of our lives, right? And we're still in the thick of it, trying to be relevant and make a difference because everybody needs to join in this battle to make sure that we don't have a disaster in November. It is the most, it is politically, um, but it's beyond politics. It is the most challenging time of our lives when at a time, I, I just, I always worried about this. I always, I got to tell you, every election, I would, if, when I would vote and vote for someone who I didn't particularly like, like I didn't particularly like um, Hillary Clinton, but my not liking her had nothing to do with my voting for her because I knew that Hillary Clinton was saying that she would never uh, nominate Supreme, Supreme Court justices like the ones that Trump did, that she did take governance seriously and, and that she's a brilliant mind right? and that she takes governance seriously. So um, I always feared this, but even in my worst, my worst fears, this is actually a bit worse. So suburban wo- women, please join black women. Black women have been, been carrying this load for quite a while. Black women show up, they show out, they vote. And, um, um, I, uh, we would love to be. Um, God bless uh, black joined. women. Can I just salute, especially Georgia, that made the big difference? You know what I do to honor the people of Georgia and light of that? What do you do? I use Georgia as the font, my preferred font on all my documents. Oh, <laughs> Actually, I like Georgia font. Yeah. To tell you well, the it's truth. not the I like, do. it's a peach. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> I do. I do. But they've got some serious voter suppression going on oh, there, too. Oh, I know. And they yeah, say so- they, they moved the All-Star game and there's like nothing. Have you seen Curb Your Enthusiasm, though? 
Yeah, not every episode. Oh, just you got to get the new season. It's all about Atlanta and that ridiculous voting law. Oh, episode one of the latest end season. That's my gift to you, Danny Newsom. Oh, well, then I am going to, if I can find the time to binge, we've got a campaign to get um, the uh, Coloradans for Reproductive Freedom to get the um, our proposed ballot measure. We're going to put it all on ballot. our show notes. What's the deadline for people to get active? Well, the dead, well, right now we are gathering signatures and the legal deadline is those su- signatures have to be submitted to the Secretary of State's office by April 25th. We want to beat that by a week. We want to beat that by a week. But you can go to, um, and I sent you the link. I know. Do I have to physically sign or can you sign it online? No, you no, no, no. You do have to physically sign. And so, yeah, how do you guys yeah. make that easy? Where do you go? Uh, you can go to um, you can go to the Coloradans for Protecting Reproductive Freedom website, and um, you can click and you can find out where you can go. Beautiful. Or um, you wait just a second. Or sure. I will drive. I I did that this weekend. I will drive to collect a signature. Okay, we have, I think we have more than 700 volunteers across the United, across the United States, across Colorado, I'm sorry, across Colorado, collecting signatures. And we have retained a professional signature gathering firm because the the requirements are stringent. We need at least 2% of the registered voters, the signatures of registered voters in every Colorado State Senate district. There are 35 of them. So, but that's expensive. And so the more signatures you we can get through volunteers and people like me, um, members of the Reproductive Health Rights and Justice Coalition, that saves, that saves money. So we're working along with a professional signature gathering firm. But Craig, don't give out my number, obviously. I won't give but, it out. But you can pass on to me um um the, anybody the who needs help contact, contact the podcast of right people. absolutely but i can give out uh, you can give out my work email go ahead and hope i don't get a lot of cranks there go ahead. yeah danny at cobaltadvocates.org and newsom is spelled n-e-w-s-u-m yes i bet you get confusion on that with gavin newsom um, as, well, nobody's asked if I'm related to Gavin, but um, it's the spelling. He does S-O-M. Or, I know. Yeah, S-O-M. Yeah. So, do you, do you um, like him? Yeah, I do. I like him. I like him. I think he's smart, and I like him because he fights. Just he think fights. if you were the BP candidate, Newsom and Newsom. <laughs> no, I'm not running for anything. I'm not running for anything, but I am looking for— You're too young. Looking, you're too young to run in these oh, yeah, this right. day and age, right? No, you only have to be 35 and a U.S. citizen. Uh, 35. I'll never—that boat left a long time ago, Craig. You, I need, said I to, you need to be at least <laughs> 75 to run for president these days. Anyway. <laughs> You may Joe Biden have great health. And the other thing that I'm thinking, Kamala Harris is, she's perfectly fine, okay? She's doing a decent job, and God forbid something happens to Joe Biden. I have confidence in the vice president stepping in. Maybe she'll get elected and maybe reelected. Maybe she won't, but that's American history. She's a darn sight better than Donald Trump, so when... 
Nikki Haley tries that scare tactic. It's going to be Kamala. You know what she's doing? Yeah, you know I what know she's what doing? she's doing. She's just, she's just, she's being, she's, she's playing race. And the fact, and, and this is a woman doing it, and the fact that Kamala Harris is a black woman. Okay, as much as, yes. as much as, as much as Nikki Haley says, hey, look, I'm a woman of color. I'm the daughter of immigrants. Bull, bull. She's acting like she has some kind of white privilege, and that's what she's doing to Kamala Harris, who you're a, much better than Trump. My God, much better than Mike Pence. What was he, a talk show host? That's what he was. You know, Kamala Harris was attorney general of the state of California, you know, and if you don't like how she talks, if you don't like her cadence, who gives a crap? She's sane and she knows what she's doing. I think Pence was a congressman and a governor, but he did have a Saturday morning radio show after that. But you are 100 percent right. I'll take Kamala Harris 100 times over Mike Pence, who is still a target of Donald Trump. Can you imagine? I think uh, Donald Trump has to lose. Can you imagine Mike Pence still supporting the guy? Yeah, I can. I can. This is ridiculous. After his life was threatened on right, January right. 6th, his life was threatened. He still carried Trump's water. That's why I think it's something beyond my understanding. But I got to understand you a lot better, Danny. And what I said at the outset holds... I think in retrospect, you were probably more right about things than I realized. Well, what I just never thought I'd live to hear the day. And so um, let our new chapter commence, Craig. Let our new chapter commence and let us go forth and save democracy. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Pro-democracy. GW and oh. TJ unite in that common yeah common bond pro-democracy all the way it's not just a slogan this is this is as real as a heart attack thank you so much danny this was a real good podcast thank you and it is i don't care what you say this is going to be the definitive danny newsome podcast i can't do it any better i defy anybody else to try craig thank you for inviting me for sharing this time with me Thank you very much. Thank you. See you around campus, all right? <laughs> right on. Take care. You take care, Craig. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Michael, of course, is a great sponsor of my show, but more than that, he's my lawyer, my end-of-life planning lawyer, and I've got two dogs. What about you? I have two dogs right now as well. And not only do you love your dogs at home with your kids and your wife, but you get involved with dog issues in your law practice. Tell everybody about that. So I will write pet trusts, which is you can earmark money to take care of your pets. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they've got their dogs and you know, they love their dogs. But then if somebody were to, you know, if, you're, if you were to pass away, you know, who's going to take your dogs? Who would, who would love your dogs as much as you do? I don't know that anybody would love your dogs as much as you do. But like I grew up with dogs. And so if I were to pass away, then my parents or my siblings could take the dogs. So when you set up a pet trust, you can dictate who's going to get those dogs and then who you can leave money to take care of the dogs as well. I like working with you and I think you are ahead of your time. 
you have 15 different locations. How cool is that? It's, it is nice to be able to go to all the different locations and you know meet people where it's comfortable and more convenient for them. And nobody wants to drive from one part of Metro Denver to the other to meet with a lawyer. You will come to them. Yep, and I'll deal with traffic so you don't have to. Tell us how people can get in touch with you. My direct phone number is 720-394-6887, or they can go to my website, which is mobileestateplanning.com. And again, that's mobileestateplanning.com. And there's even a schedule, you know, there's a book an appointment link on this on the website. All right, Michael Bailey, thank you. Okay, here's the thing. You've been hurt. Maybe, God forbid, someone's been killed. You don't know what to do. If it happened in Colorado, please get a hold of me. Check out my website, craigscoloradolaw.com. Craigscoloradolaw.com because I have four decades of experience. Sadly, I've helped a lot of people who have been hurt terribly through no fault of their own. 303-734-7156. Please call Craig. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. 303-734-7156. Okay, sit down. We have to immediately start recording. Mr. Busy Troubadour. Friday's my busiest day. Well, yeah, when you goof around all week. No, I'm not goofing. Friday's always busy. And look at you. You're trying to direct me to put on the other recorder. This one will work. Okay. All right. Don't you worry about it. Just checking. Thank you, though. Thank you for the song, Billy B and the Fair-Skinned Girl. Can I ask you a few questions about that song? By all means. Okay, I know where the coffee shop is. We've talked about that before. The Starbucks at Happy Canyon and Hamden, right? That's right. Okay, and we know that the narrator is really you because that's your coffee shop you stop at for overinflated coffee. By that, I mean the coffee's okay, but the price, wow, you must be wealthy. Or you like the fair-skinned girl. Well, I like the fair-skinned girl, and I and I defend Starbucks. It's worth every penny. But you know, going to say Dunkin' Donuts, it costs actually more for their coffee. Have you seen that McDonald's at Oneida in Hampton? I do grant that uh, McDonald's coffee is surprisingly good. It, it is acceptable about, coffee, but it's a third the cost. But I'm one of the or minions. Maybe a quarter of the cost. I've been trapped. I'm a I'm a Starbucks guy. Yeah. You now of all the qualities to describe in a woman, you you could call it a you know brown eyed girl. Or that one's taken. You know, you could say blonde haired. Right. Why did you focus on her complexion? Well, that's a great question. I'm gonna leave that to you as as but my But I listener. mean, was there a woman there who was fair skinned that you like? I think I just like the sound of those words together. I think it's because this the whole premise of your song and the reason we have it this week is about fairness. So when you say fair skinned, like she's is she a fair person, or what did she just do to Billy B? You know, this song reminds me of this really disgusting U.S. Supreme Court decision. As an attorney, you know, I expected condolences when that happened. A rule of law may be dead because the whole thing is rigged, and your song is kind of 
how this fair skin grows. She rigged everything. Yeah, didn't she, she? She framed Billy B. Yeah, yeah. She he he took the fall for her. Right. I feel like this is a Sam Alito or Clarence Thomas situation. And, <laughs> right. And, and it's crime, and the wrong people are going to jail. Oi, Bonnie Willis. She's in trouble now. Arguments today, no decision yet. But back to your song, because I know you're busy. You got to get going. You got a big life. Your lookout renovation, your solo career, your Papa Mo and the Vipers. You're raising a puppy. Do you need me to walk your dog? Um, I've I've already taken her for for a walk today. Right, Thank good. you for that. But, That's all right. Yeah, I got to prepare my show notes. But don't you worry about me. The only thing I need to understand about this song is it all you? I know the harmonica's got to be you. Yes, and the singing is you. The lyrics are you. Is it all you? Well, there's the drums that, and that's and that's my my drummer friend Billy. Oh, good. And uh, I might have played I might have played bass on this one. So I think it was just the drums. Um, the rest was me. This song gets rocking right at the start. Billy B and the Fair Skin Girl. Shabbat Shalom, Troubadour. Shabbat Shalom, Craig. Now Billy B stepped into his coffee shop Every morning, every day Loved to see familiar faces Smile at him that way What's up, he asked the fair-skinned girl Who looked at him kind of strange Nothing but the sky, she said, and handed him his change. Her palms were filled with silver coins, which she poured into a sack. Quickly passed it on to Bill, whose jaw had fallen slack. Cause just then the man in blue flew in and proclaimed for all to hear. Somebody robbed the bank next door And I suspect he may be here Now Billy just stood with that sack of silver Feeling heavy in his hand Wishing he was somewhere else Where the shit don't hit the fan Cop gazed right through Billy, his eyes in a far-off place, thinking about tomorrow's paper and a photo of his own face. You better come with me, he said, as the handcuffs he procured. Billy, he looked at the girl, she did not say a word. They locked him up for 40 days. As they are wont to do There came the day Called for him So that the judge might rule From somewhere on high A light did shine On his chains and orange suit The truth and nothing but the truth to these words he said I do I may not be so innocent 
for many things have I done wrong But as to this here bank affair Well, I was not there for long Just long enough, the DA declared In his black suit and skinny tie To make off with that bag of silver And run next door to hide And as they shuffled him away For to serve his time His eyes beheld a vision Made his heart beat double time For in the back of that old courtroom The fair-skinned girl he spied One red rose tied to her hair And a tear rolling from her eye I could go on forever But forever is quite a while And I did not sing this song today Just to see Billy B smile No, there's a message to this story Which now I put to rest Never lose your heart to a fair-skinned girl Who feels but don't confess lawyer i know because he's my lawyer he's michael bailey i think you pioneered this mobile estate planning and lots of lawyers are doing it now and boy are your clients happy satisfied it's convenient for the client it certainly is fun to be able to go visit people where they are whether it's at your house or at one of the offices just to make it more convenient for you. And then it's more fun for me because I get to go out and about and meet people all over the place and help them out. What's the website, Michael? It is mobileestateplanning.com. What's the best phone number to call? 720-394-6887 is my direct line. Michael Bailey, that's our lawyer. Trish loves him, I do too. Thanks, Michael. You're welcome, Craig. Hey everybody, for all of your legal needs, why not start with me? 734-7156-303-734-7156. I've been practicing law in Colorado for over 42 years. And I know a lot of people. And if I can't do right by you, I can steer you in the right direction. My number, 303-734-7156. Ask for Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims, a voice for people with legal difficulties. Hey, I told you this would be great, and I think I delivered. Dave Gunders always does. What a great song. What a great story about Billy B. There are a lot of great lines in there about 
Nevers, quite a while. I don't know, Silver Step. I'm a silver man, so I'm a sucker for that. I'm a sucker for Dave Gunders, my best but Dave Gunders, talented, talented with his musicianship, his lyricism. We can't take him for granted. Episode 199, thank you, Dave Gunders, and thank you. Thank you to Danny Newsom, who I've known longer than Dave Gunders. We've always had an underlying friendship, and we reconfirmed it in this episode. Thank you, Danny Newsom. I hope I delivered the definitive Danny Newsom interview. If you enjoyed, please give us five stars. Please tell a friend, Apple, Spotify, even YouTube. Would it kill you to subscribe everywhere? It's all free. Thank you, Michael Bailey. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Mountain Time. Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show.